0: That Catholic design sells burlap, high-quality matted prints, coffee cups, totes, and Catholic t-shirts. I came across that Catholic design for the first time at a conference in Houston, and when I saw her work, I stopped dead in my tracks. While I would happily buy anything from that Catholic design, I bought four of her matted prints, one for each bedroom right away. St. Michael for the boys, Our Lady for the girls, one for my prayer closet, and St. Kateri just for me. That Catholic design is run by a single mom. She creates with her daughter and uses their ministry to help other single mothers. Head over to That Catholic Design and find a special gift for the holidays. Hi, welcome to Center Saint Sister. I am Allison Sullivan, your host, and it is all my pleasure to introduce you to or allow you to listen to more of some of my biggest inspirations, dearest friends, and sharpest teachers of, well, life. As we discuss all of the things that matter most, please like and subscribe and leave a review so I can know your favorite topics and guests. I hope you hear something today that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center St. Sister. At Mass, about halfway into the second reading, a mom arrived to church without a dad, but with a whole slew of children. Her teenager, the first in line, leading the way into the sanctuary, stopped and stood still, paralyzed by the scrutiny she felt when the congregation turned to see who was late. The mother, with a baby on her hip, ran right into the back of the motionless teenager. The collision turned the mom's hurried, get-everyone-dressed-and-into-the-car-faster annoyance into, What the heck are you doing? You just made me stub my toe. Rage. She grabbed her oldest by the top of the arm, the way irate moms do. Apparently, you're never too old for that. I had been wondering. And she growled from somewhere down deep, just walk. While most people were polite and turned away once they got a good look at who couldn't get their stuff together on time, I watched the scene unfold. The mom looked around to see who had witnessed her anger and caught eyes with me. I tried to smile and hoped that my smile didn't feel like condescension. Because what I really wanted to do was ask her if she wanted to go get a margarita after church. What I really wanted to do was to tell her that I feel it too, even though technically I was on time. The holidays are lonely. People aren't who we wish they would be. There are empty seats at the table. And the expectations can be so high that they feel childish. And then the realities can be so inferior that they make us feel foolish. It seems like everyone I know is losing it in one way or another right now. And I feel it too but we hope. We hope for everything to get easier. It usually does. We hope for everything to hurt less. It usually will. We hope. It's what we do. And hope is beautiful, but it carries a certain amount of sadness, doesn't it? There's a yearning inherent to hope requiring patience while we're still expectant for something that is eluding us, that's still out in front, unreachable, but foreseeable. And I don't think that makes us foolish at all, because this is Advent, precisely, actually. To hope is to journey through the season of Advent. As Christians, our hope points us to the one who is coming. We wait with expectation, sweeping the surfaces of our hearts that we might prepare Him room to operate and move until one fine day He returns in splendor. Together we wait. Together we hope. This morning, when the priest said we live in a time of already but not yet, I saw the tardy mom reach over and straighten her teenager's hair, removing it from the neck of her sweater, smoothing it down her back, perhaps getting a jump start on the sweeping of her heart. And my heart leapt for them both. In the season of Advent, I'm challenged to look at the ways that I wait and long for God. In these times of restlessness and despair, where peace is not yet ours, I'm challenged to arise and renew my hope as I look forward with passion, longing, maybe even desperation, while realizing that one of the ways the Lord brings hope just might be through me. I found that mom after church. I put my fist out. Reflexively, she bumped it without knowing why. She smiled up at me, questioning, but hopeful. I looked down at my four little ones around the hem of my skirt and said, solidarity, that's all. Advent tells a story about the resilience of hope and the creativity of the Spirit and the coming of Christ in our midst. When we might think all is lost, there it is, a thrill of hope. The goodness of God and the promise of God are much more resilient than we might imagine. And with God's faithfulness and love, new life is possible. Today's interview is with Claire McAllen, and it's not very often that I feel speechless. In this case, it's not that I have nothing to say, but instead, it's just too much. So just, just listen. (laughs) You'll see, and you'll likely walk away without words, too. Claire McAllen wrote Mangers, a book to accompany us through Advent and hear me. Claire's Friday introductions undo me, so this book full of poems and stories and letters is certain to finish me off. I feel a little undistinguished and begging, but you simply have to, have to, have to listen to the end of our interview to hear Claire's spoken word. I can't get enough of this woman's heart, mind, and soul. It has been all my pleasure watching Valerie at Pax Beloved share her many artistic gifts with the world. She creates Catholic artwork and gifts with such love and detail. Sometimes I'll be on Instagram and will stop mid-scroll to pray with some image that she has created that has left me speechless. Her creations line my prayer closet. Please go follow her there at Pax.valerie and head over to her website at PaxBeloved.com. You can use the code SSS20 to get 20% off. Claire! I am so excited you're here. I have no idea how we met or how I started following you. I don't remember. But I do remember this one Friday, you wrote a Friday introduction that was so, um, deliriously quirky and smart, (laughs) like all caps smart that I stopped mid scroll. And I was like, I have to know more about this girl. And I just devoured your whole Instagram feed. And it has been love for me (laughs) ever since. I am so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: I really appreciate that. And you just gave me my next bio, deliriously quirky. I love that. <laughs> love that. I definitely, I get that a lot. I get quirky. I get eccentric. Um, and I'll uh. take it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's so fun oh but I feel like the combination with smart Mm -hmm. is like just something else I mean oh man
1: thank you we try to be a self-aware quirky you know
0: oh (laughs) right like not unintentionally right
1: right a well-crafted quirk goes a long way
0: I love it well so writing for me is so unifying Mm -hmm. you know it it unifies like my mind and my body and my spirit. It unifies me to God. It unifies me, um, to other people. And so it's always been ironic to me that it's done in such a solitary way. Mm. And, and I'm not even a poet, you know, um, but poetry seems especially private. And I would think that making poetry accessible to other people would be a really great challenge, but your poetry is so clear to me, Claire, like uh, you write and I feel like I know exactly what you mean. And so I, there's like the starting off point, you know, that, that we're of, of your writing. And then you take me somewhere of my own place. Like you take me to my own places and I am like literally moved, you know? And so, um, I think that, I don't know if it's the grittiness. I don't know if it's that you're like feeling through all these, these tensions, um, or that it's, you find divine presence in unexpected places, but I am just so sold. And I would love, um, for you to just start off telling the people a little bit about yourself and how, and when you knew you were a poet.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for your kind words. Uh, So I live in Boston. My name is Claire McCallan. I am the creative director of a home for Catholic artists called St. Joseph's Home for Artisans here in the North End of Boston. I have my second book coming out in a week or so. I do spoken word poetry, which not everyone's familiar with. Maybe some people know it as slam poetry, but it's poetry that's meant to be performed. And I just love to create. I love the process. I love the people who I get to meet with it. I really, really love to do this work. Uh, but I didn't always know that I wanted to do this work. So from a very, this is going to be an interesting conversation from a very young age. I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up and I started pursuing it at 15 years old because I was going to be, um, in politics. (laughs) Uh Uh Yeah. I, without getting too nitty gritty into anything, um, into a very extreme end of politics, which is the different end than where I fall now. <laughs> uh-huh. I was really, really far into it um, at yeah. a very young age. And there's a lot of programs for young people with those interests mm. because they really want to get them young. Sure. So at 15, I was being flown around all over the country for these programs, hotels, banquets, meeting these speakers, oh. really crazy stuff. Yeah. because And I get it. Like, you, you know, you get a customer young and you bring them in. <laughs> Yeah. And train I them up. So yeah, I was so into it. And I actually, I had a show and I was doing some classes at a local college, Anna Maria, Anna Maria college yesterday. And I was telling the kids about this. The truth is for a very long time, I was a very, uh, uptight sort of person. And this is true. When I went to Franciscan, you can ask anyone for those first like three years, I wore pantsuits most days. So I looked like a little oh, wow. Hillary Clinton. Yep. Oh, I took things. I, I took myself. Very serious, kind of like always hands clenched, like very judgmental, very intense, um, very into politics, very rules are rules. And then my senior year of college, we had a very tragic loss in the family uh, Mm -hmm. that really kind of caused me to lose my marbles a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. I just everything I thought I knew about the world and about myself really split Mm -hmm. open. And I just Mm -hmm. couldn't handle it, you know, and that's okay. We don't need to be able to handle those things, especially not the first time, especially not Mm -hmm. at that age, but I just could not handle it. And so I completely break open. It's also around the time that I start seeing the world for the first time. I took a summer to backpack Europe by myself right before senior year. So now I'm confronted with the fact that what I thought about the world is not what I'm actually seeing in reality when I go out and meet her. And... (sighs) yeah, all of these changes start to take place. I barely graduate college. Like I barely passed my classes. I was not doing well. And after graduation, I had no direction, nowhere to go. A friend called me and she was like, Hey, I know you don't have anything going on, but my dad's construction company is hiring out in LA. Like, do you want to go be a construction worker with me? I said, yeah, of course I do. And so I went and lived in LA
0: for a little while. As one does doing construction. Yes, moving rocks, moving <laughs>
1: rocks. You know, you got to do what you got to do when you're a 21 year old girl in L.A. That's the reason all 21 year old girls move to L.A., right? To move rocks. Yes, uh, precisely. So I was out there, and it clearly wasn't a long term career option. You know, uh, I got a phone call from a friend who went to Franciscan, and he was like, "Hey, we're going to India. Going to work in Calcutta. Work with the missionaries of charity. Do you want to come?" Uh, And I had nothing else to do. It wasn't this great devotion. There's always beautiful stories of people who have these like lifelong devotions. That was not me. I just needed somewhere to go. So God God calls the idiots too. You know, God calls the Uh, clueless as well. Yes. (laughs) And so I end up in India working with the missionaries of charity in a home called Shantidan, which is a home for severely disabled little girls. And that was the great catalyst um, because it completely broke open and healed my heart all at once Hmm. gave me purpose gave me vision uh and it also gave me typhoid (laughs) because I drank some bad water (laughs) oh my gosh yeah so I drink some bad water I become bedridden for three weeks right and they put me into the one room with wi-fi and someone let me borrow their iPad and I'm on Indian YouTube, right? It's a little bit different in each country. <laughs> I'm on Indian YouTube. And I fall into like a YouTube hole, you know, when you just kind of like spiral uh-huh. on the internet. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I find this spoken word thing, which I'd never heard of before. And it's these videos from Deaf Poetry Jam from like the uh-huh. late 90s, early 2000s. And what it sure. is, is it's like, I'm recognizing faces because it's pre famous Kanye, Alicia Keys, performing what would go on to be Gold Digger, No One as Acoustic Poetry. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm watching it. I'm sick in bed and I'm like, you know what? I just kind of feel like I could do this. You know, you see something and you're like, "Eh, kind of something inside me. Call it the Holy Spirit, call it intuition, Uh. whatever you want. You know, like I should try this. So obviously, I'm like, ever the drama queen. I'm like, Lord if I make it out of here alive, which like, I was never going to die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it was fine. It's like, Lord, if I make it out of here alive, like I'm going to move to New York city and I'm going to try this. So yeah. I got better because duh, was never going to die. And when my time was up in Calcutta, I moved to New York and started going to the poetry cafes and trying to hand at it. Stop. That's my love story.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm yeah. I'm all at once like there's there's like there's beauty and then there's crushing beauty. It's like yeah. the drama mixed in with finding our purpose is always so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Like all these little beacons along the way saying, try this, try this, try this. And here's the thing about like the, try this is like, that sounds like a terrible idea. Sure. Yeah. you know, Like, I love that moment. You know, you, you described like this, this tingly feeling or this excitement or whatever, where it's like, is this the Holy spirit or is this really dumb? I don't know yet. Right. Time will tell. <laughs> yeah. You should have seen my parents' face when I told them that I wanted to come up poet. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Okay. So you have probably had to like unlearn some things. Like, I feel like I talk about this often because I'm, I'm a yoga instructor, but I really Mm -hmm. value, um, stillness and knowing what comes from stillness. And I feel like a lot of times our souls can kind of get sucked up into our minds. You know, it's like, we can be so cognitive about Mm -hmm. things and you were probably living a very cognitive life. You know, like it, being academic can really get in the way of my art, my inner artist sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like it's like I can be, become so distracted by, I don't know, like efficiency or getting lost in a to-do list or um so much so that I don't even necessarily miss my soul. It's like mm-hmm. all of this chaotic schedule or hectic pace, you know, it just it kind of tricks me into thinking that I'm that I'm doing all the right things, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when I was trying to, cause we could talk forever, but like, I have some similar, um, moments of, of mm-hmm. clarity, but like anytime time I'm trying to like really think something up, mm-hmm. I just end up forcing something down. It's like any time I try to perfectly manage my creativity, um, I just end up finding that it very much has its own rhythms, you know, (laughs) which can be frustrating, by the way. Um, But it feels like any time that I've written something that I actually like, it's been despite me, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So writing past a censor, I feel Mm -hmm. like, takes a little bit of practice. What are some of your processes? I'm so intrigued now, especially knowing your background, but what are your processes to letting creativity go?
1: Yeah. You know, my greatest, I think like most people, my greatest weakness is also my greatest strength. It's just a double-edged sword there. So the thing that, fuels my imposter syndrome and keeps me up at night with insecurities is the fact that I have no formal training. I've never taken a writing class. My grammar sucks and I know it. My spelling's not that great. (sighs) I don't know how to storyboard, none of these things. And so that's my greatest weakness, but it's also my greatest strength because I don't even know what I'm supposed to feel bad about, you know? Right. Like I write something and I'm like, looks good to me. And someone else could read it and be like, Hey, a lot, a lot of stuff in there, you know, but I like it. And I'm, I like it enough that I share it with the world immediately. Cause it looks good yeah. to me. My untrained yeah. eye, my untrained eyes, they see wonder everywhere. Right. So that's my gift.
0: I've read somewhere that in order to do something well, you have to first be willing to do it badly.
1: One hundred percent, one hundred and do it badly with
0: enthusiasm publicly. Yes! Joy, giggles. Yes. yes, our sincere
1: efforts are worth celebration. Yes, one hundred percent. And then as far as like getting into the creative process, something that's been huge in my life lately, because writing the most recent book, I had like a serious timeline on it that was like not a long runway at all. Yeah. And are you familiar with the idea of the thin space? Mm-mm. It's it's Celtic lore. And it's okay. idea of like the space where heaven and earth come together and maybe you'll feel it on like a spooky rainy day um, or usually it's in the quiet, maybe uh, at yeah. dawn or dusk, etc. And it's that space where there's like a little bit of magic to it, something a little ethereal, which is where the Celtic part comes in because we're big on okay. like fairies and stuff. Right. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a supernatural sort of feeling and I think that you can do things to access it intentionally, and yeah. the number one thing is to remove stimulus. So okay. that means I think the number one creativity killer for our generation is um, headphones. I think headphones are the worst ever, and I okay. do it. I know I do it. I numb myself out intentionally, especially because I'm a city yeah. girl. I have to numb myself out because if uh-huh. I actually listen to what's going on in the train, it might truly just hurt too much. You know, when you mm-hmm. see how much suffering's around you. Um, and how much scary things are happening around you, but we numb ourselves out and we're overburdening ourselves with sound and noise and just everything that comes with it. And obviously music's amazing, but we do the same thing with Netflix and the way that we binge. And the more we're a producer, the less we're, or sorry, the more we're a consumer, consumer, the less we're a producer. Yeah, exactly. So if I really need to create no more headphones, no more Netflix, no more alcohol, because I do like to party, but I don't like to feel dumb. So Mm -hmm. I, I feel like even if I have like one or two drinks with my friends for the next two days, I don't feel as quick as I usually feel. Mm -hmm. So I remove that. I also cut back on my social life, which like not all of these, a lot of these are neutral and can be good and bad, but I need to be a little bit lonely, a little bit isolated and be in complete quiet so that when the voice comes, I am willing to hear it and make something of it.
0: Wow. That's thank you so much. That's really, really, I identify with those things. I wouldn't have named them that way, but absolutely. So, okay. So you're talking about this, this thin space, um, Mary Carr, who is Catholic and awesome, just such a great writing mentor for me. She has really beautiful language around, um, poetry as prayer and she Mm -hmm. describes poetry as her very first confessional. Um, are, how are prayer and poetry similar or different to you? Do you approach them the same way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I did a workshop a couple months ago on poetry as prayer. And then another one is poetry as protest. So
0: the many oh. uses of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, because prayer and poetry for me, both of their simplest forms are catharsis. Mm. Uh, I was explaining this to the students yesterday. Even if nobody read my work, nobody listened to my work, I would still have to create it.
0: Yeah, because uh, yeah. it
1: it cannot live within me because I won't I won't be
0: well with all of this because it, it's, me. it's gut level and urgent. Yes.
1: Yes. Urgent is such a good word for it. Well, I keep describing it to people like and here's the thing I've never had babies. So this is really I'm really running my mouth on this, but it to me feels maternal. Mm-hmm. I when there's yeah. something that needs to be written, it is yes. like swelling within me. It's kicking mm-hmm. on my bladder. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And but it does need to be in there growing for a while. And then when the time comes, you push and that's writing is not like, oh, it's so fun and easy. You know, it's painful. When I write this, I'm crying, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard work and it's like emotional labor and yeah. it splits you right open. But then at mm. the end you have your baby, right? And it's mm-hmm. this beautiful thing that is of you, but not you, you know, yeah. it's its own. Struggle entity. before
0: glory. I love yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So for me, the process looks a lot like how I imagine birth must be. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: so if I, you know, as far as like poetry as, as prayer, I feel like both are, are so imaginative, you Mm -hmm. know,
2: (laughs) and I feel Mm -hmm. like, um,
0: there's a neediness, you know, to both and maybe even a reverence. I mean, prayer certainly Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be reverent, but don't we approach it with some sort of, you know, formality, um, or whatever. Will you tell me a little bit about, uh, prayer as protest?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I did that with, I had an art residency at a Christian, uh, art guild in Washington state right before COVID uh, called the Grunewald guild. And it was kind of during a lot of time of unrest and uprising within the country. And so they were allowing people to take different workshops online and just, uh, get their feelings out, you know, through yeah. printmaking. I forget what some of the other, there was a music class. And then I led the poetry's protest one. And it's just such, I just am a big believer that politics is just the tip of the cultural iceberg after it's so funny. Cause it's like, I'm not even 30 yet, but I spent 10 years working in politics and I thought, I thought we could fix it all legislatively And I see now how silly that was. And I think I'm doing so much more tangible good for the world by writing my poems now. Yes. I'm gonna change so many more hearts than I would minds. And that's more lasting and that's more important. So, like, I think no matter what you believe in, and I've marched for so many different things that don't even technically go together on paper, right? But I march for what I believe in, I march for what I moved in, and I'll make my homemade sign, something that I, you know, and I'll go out of solidarity. But what I would rather do is create something beautiful that reaches people. It's not, it doesn't pull up their defenses. That's what I love about beauty. And that's why Bishop Aaron says, yes, when we're reaching people, we, especially within the Catholic church, we hit them with the truth. We're always like truth, scripture, this. And it's like, no, it's too much. It pulls up people's defenses. It's they're not in the space to accept it. But if we communicate in the order of beauty, goodness, and then truth, we're yeah. opening them up to it. Um, Absolutely. So the students that I had, the stuff they created,
0: yeah, it crosses lines where goodness can't or where truth can't convince,
1: mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. So and we need we, the truth. But
0: sure, yeah, I I like that hierarchy. I'd never, mm-hmm. I've no, I mean, obviously, what is true and good and beautiful, but I like the hierarchy of beautiful, yeah. true, and good. I I can't take credit. That's Bishop Barron. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really good. Um, yeah. so if if poetry is just kind of I don't know, playing with our imaginations with a certain mm-hmm. amount of freedom. Um, can we talk about St. Ignatius, uh, for a second, Absolutely. He's this, sure. like, this, this deep thinker, he's this philosopher, he's a theologian, but it was his imagination that really drove, um, his spiritual life. And mm-hmm. so, um, I don't know, maybe it's just in my mind, but he like really cornered the market as far as imagination connecting us to God. Um, do you draw any inspiration from Ignatian spirituality?
1: You know, not particularly. I would need a little bit more. I feel like I uh, I grew up in a... Because Ignatian, that's the Jesuits, right? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So I grew up yeah. in like a super... I grew up in a rad trad family. So it's like, I don't know uh, that I was allowed to read about. <laughs> <laughs> so now as an adult, you mentioned me and I was like, oh yeah, I should look him up later before I... <laughs> And then I went to Franciscan, so we were all about Francis, you know, I kind of skipped over him a little yeah. bit, but I'd love to learn a little bit about it right now. You well,
0: I Yeah, no, I just gospel reimaginings are such yeah. an important part of, of his work, and he actually- I'm so, I'm so glad to be having this conversation because he actually really focused on Jesus's birth too, which we'll get to in a a minute, as far as you're concerned. Um, but it's, it's basically just placing ourselves in the middle of a story so much so that you might feel the sun on your shoulders and on your cheeks so much so that you might feel tension in a moment, like in your, your physical body, um, you might see, the lines on someone's face as they're talking to you, you, you know, you would hear their, their tone of voice, but to him finding ourselves, um, inside of a story was it allowed us a connection to God that we wouldn't otherwise have. And so, I, you know, finding our ourselves in old stories, I, I know is very important to you as well. Um, and so, I think that this might be a good time to tell us about some of your latest undertakings. Why is it important to dust off old stories and put ourselves in them?
1: Yeah, well, I really appreciate that. I guess I have some reading to do when I go.
0: (laughs) That's the great thing about these podcast
1: interviews. It always gives me a really like humbling opportunity every single time. They're like, do you know about this? I'm like, I do not. Yeah, I don't know what I've been up to. (laughs) I just just gave a whole lecture about not watching Netflix, but apparently that's what I've been up to. Um, Yeah, so I have my new book coming out, um, which apparently is following in the great tradition of St. Ignatius. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, it's called Mangers, and it's 28 stories um, that are biblically based on the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Uh, Each chapter starts with a verse and then a story that kind of takes you from there. And it's really intended for those who don't usually find themselves in the advent story um those who have not experienced uh, the familial structure in the traditional way that's kind yeah. of always uh yeah what we see in our churches you know and obviously yep. in a perfect world we would all get the best mom and dad ever and an incredible sure. childhood but that's really yeah. that's not the world we live in you know so where is the space for those people where are the space for people who want to conceive and cannot how do you, as someone struggling with infertility, find yourself in this story that's based completely around fertility? Um, mm-hmm. Where are the stories for post-abortive women, uh, mothers, post-abortive mothers, you know, these really tricky stories. Um, and where, yeah, where are they? Because they're in there. We just need to give yeah. them the opportunity to see yeah. themselves in there. So that's what a lot of the stories are in there.
0: I feel like storytelling allows us um, to connect in a, in a really memorable way. Like we can go Mm -hmm. from thinking about something to like actually experiencing it. Um, and so there's just such a personal connection. Mm -hmm. I know that that that's your goal. That's so, you know, and then with Advent in particular, um, I feel like, you know, Christmas is so complex for Mm -hmm. so many people. And then part of the problem is I think the expectation that this (sighs) is supposed to be all merry and bright, You know, Mm -hmm. so you take the initial woes that might be, you know, financial stress or estrangement, um, you know, just complicated feelings, depression, loneliness, what have you. And then Mm -hmm. you compare with, you know, what you're experiencing with, you know, the expectation of Mary and Bright. And so now it's just, you know, compounded and and exaggerated. Um, What are some ways to... Get through our emotions during that complicated time. Do you feel like your is it a devotional? I'm sorry, did you say devotional? It's
1: not a devotional, but it's just it's stories. It's yeah. stories,
0: so you can read it anyway. It's non linear. Yeah. Okay. 28 days, though. Um, yes. So, if yeah. you wanted to do one a day, you could. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um. So, do you do you feel like your storytelling helps through these this complicated time? I
1: hope it does. I think it provides solid solidarity which could be really important. Um, And it doesn't shove the manufactured cheeriness down your throat. I'm all about Christmas cheer. I think that's amazing. I try really hard to be a very joyful person all year round, you know? Um, But the reality is, and I do think that the world and the church are coming to acknowledge this more with each year. The reality is it can be, a really hard time for a lot of people. And this is going to be our second Christmas in COVID. Like it's going to be a hard time for a lot of people yeah. um, for a number of reasons. And so I'm hoping that the book will provide an opportunity for solidarity for people. And for those who maybe do have the dream, you know, they have their whole family there. They love being together. Everything's yeah. good. Maybe it'll provide an opportunity for empathy and a reminder that that's not the case for I would say the majority of people, actually. You look on social media, right? And it looks like everybody's having the best time ever, but we've all fake posted joy, you know? So we should have that level of self-awareness to know that a lot of it's fake, if not almost all of it. Um, Yeah, and my my advice, I'm someone who has traditionally had a really hard time around holidays ever since, especially we had that loss in my family a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that's ever worked for me is, uh, losing myself in service on those days.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. Nothing had, else. There's no
1: gift in the world that'll make you feel better.
0: It's true. It's so true. I, I've, I i do not know that I've ever talked about this publicly, but I had the baby blues after my third baby and it wasn't just for a day or two. It wasn't just for a week or two. It was persistent. And so it had been three months and I was just finding myself crying. I mean, about real things, crying, you know, that some women have to do this alone. Um, Mm -hmm. But also crying because there was a shriveled up um, blueberry in the back of (laughs) of my fruit crisper. And I was so sad that this blueberry had spent so much time growing on the vine to be plump and juicy. And it avoided birds and pesky insects and pesticides. And it, it like blossomed into this beautiful berry just to shrivel up unappreciated in the back of my drawer. So when I found myself crying about that, I was like, okay, might have an issue. And so I will, I'll never forget it though. I was sitting on the toilet on my phone uh-huh. Uh-huh. and I got a, an emergency phone call from a dear friend who, um, told, called to tell me her marriage was ending. And it was like, boom, that was it like i snapped into another ge- now by the way i don't want to make light of postpartum i am absolutely. not a doctor take care of yourself medications what have you mm-hmm. it, for me in that moment turning that attention onto someone else and realizing someone's great pain um was complete 100% healing i was i was better the next day absolutely yeah
1: And it's so obvious. We know this. How many times do we have to be told? It's about giving, not perceiving, but it's like, you have to be reminded every time in real time.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, What are you hopeful for, Claire?
1: Who are your heroes? Oh, I love that. What am I hopeful for? Who are my heroes? I, so like I said, I've been living in that thin space we talked about for a little while now as I get the book out into the world. Mm -hmm. Um, It is like, I cry just a couple of tears almost every day, but they're happy tears. They're gratitude tears. I was talking to my best friend about it the other day. I said, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. And she said she could tell, which was really oh, nice. Um, I look at this house we have with all of these young Catholic artists who are devoted to doing something good and will not be bullied out of their vocation just because it might not be practical. And I feel so much hope they're singing in my house almost every day. That's nuts. I didn't think I would get that, you know? And I wake up at 7am and all my friends are, all my best friends are on the couch, you know? I go to church, they're the ones playing the music. I just see people every week, we have an open mic night and it's small, but every week new people come and are sharing the poetry they've written for the first time in their lives. That's nuts, you know? And it just, it just keeps hitting me how lucky we are and the fact For that we sure. get to do this. And there was a lot of rejection that led up to this. I kept getting rejected from art residencies and I knew that God was leading me mm-hmm. towards something. I was like, God, why can't I get accepted to any of these art residencies? And now I see, I was like, Oh, cause you have to go make one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's, I just, I look at my roommates, my friends, these artists, and I feel hope yes. and my hero, um, my dad, <laughs> he's a pretty okay. normal guy you know (laughs) uh there's
0: not like a crazy story there Uh, yeah
1: he just takes care of me very well and I love that it's just my buddy
0: okay so before we tell everyone exactly where to find you and exactly how to support you Mm -hmm. would you perform something for us
1: yeah happily um (laughs)
0: sure let's uh Let's, since we've talked a little bit about maternity,
1: let's do a maternal piece, okay? I love it, yes. Does that sound great? Okay. How about it? Put your hand on my stomach. Can you feel her? Blessed in holy water and baptized in her mother's blood. My dream sculpted from Adam's rib and Eve's touch. She's kicking. She's sticking to my bones. Her sticks and stones don't hurt. They heal. Can you feel her? When girls' mage conceive, they're usually asked, Aren't you a little young for a little one? But when I tell people about my dream, my invention, her conception, they say, Aren't you getting a little old for such a big dream? Pregnant pause. Explanation because you're probably wondering if this is some sort of announcement. No, as far as announcements go, this one is cut clean. I'm just announcing that I am going to be the mother of a beautiful dream every night. As I try to sleep, I can feel her kicking, teething, breathing, breathing, dreaming. My dream, I've been bleeding for her since I was 13. My dream, she's the greatest manifestation of my femininity. She's strong, getting stronger every day, holding her breath a little longer. My dream, she looks like me. She has my eyes, she cradles the weight of my lies on her little shoulder she's made brave. By the mistakes of my past, she's bolder my dream. She is going to be everything I couldn't be. She's gonna make me everything I never thought I could be. She looks like me and her father. She looks like me and my father. She looks like me and the father who planted me in the soil with the seed in my soul, with a need in my soul to deliver my dream to creation, to deliver my dream to his nation. People say they care. Offering me back out, back alley, coat hanger, cliffhangers. Like how are you gonna afford this? Why didn't you avoid this? You should use protection college. You should have known better, acknowledge you had a spot in the race. What a waste. But I know that my dream, she's a product of love. Because there's nothing more natural or beautiful than a girl bringing a dream into this world. Even if she has to dream that dream all alone. Even if she has to raise that dream all on her own. We have to teach this to little girls when they're young to help them become the type of woman who can raise a dream all on her own type of woman who isn't afraid to dream alone. If you should ever have to give the talk to a little girl, if that day should come, I want you to look her in the eyes and say, little one, when a girl loves herself very much, she believes in herself. And that's where dreams come from. I joke because I hope that a, belly laugh might shake her right out of me and with a giggle I could hang another dream on the family tree but truthfully I am so scared I've heard the first dream is usually a stillborn but I tell myself that means my dream will be born still I will wait until the day she's due procrastinate To announce the dream who will coronate, reign over my future, crack open my womb, roll away the stone and open the tomb. Oh, little town of Brooklyn. Is there room in the inn? Is there room for one more dream in the city that never sleeps? There's a lot of singers, a lot of musicians, a lot of cooks in hell's kitchen. Is there room for one more dream to lay her head? Can these city streets cradle a manger Bed or rocked by baby. You're driving me crazy. Deliver, deliver, deliver. I shiver. Wondering what will happen the day she delivers. Because I only know what she sounds like inside of me. I have no idea what the reality of her outside voice will be. And that terrifies me. She terrifies me. Thank you. (sighs)
0: <sighs> oh, Claire, <laughs> with, me, with me, you will never, ever dream alone. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. I am so grateful for you. Please tell listeners where to find you, how to support you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Um, the easiest way to find me is on Instagram, Claire underscore McAllen. Um, I'm not too hard to find. I'm pretty plugged in with everybody. Uh, you can find me at ClaireMcAllen.com. You can find the home for artists because we will be uh, asking for more applications at the end of the winter for our spring cohorts. You can find us at St. Joseph's home for artisans.com where there's St. Joseph's artisans on Instagram and mangers will be out by next week.
0: Oh, everybody, please grab a copy, go follow Claire. I am so grateful for you. I Thank pray that you so never, much. ever quit writing. I cannot wait to hear the stories you tell and to see the people that you move. Um, Thank you so much for being here. It's an honor. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Be Rooted Bead Co. is a small business working to create chic and classic jewelry meant to remind you of who you are, who you hope to be, and what inspires you. With bracelets and necklaces that transition effortlessly from the gym or school pickup to date nights and weddings, their hope is that their jewelry brings goodness and holiness into the ordinary and everyday. The heart of Be Rooted is custom bracelets that are meant to bring you back to what really matters. Maybe that's children or a spouse or a word that breathes life and purpose. My bracelet says a simple, send me. It's a prayer that keeps me focused on loving the people that God has put before me. You can find them on Instagram at Be Rooted underscore beadco or their website, BeRooted With the holidays approaching, Be Rooted is the perfect thoughtful gift. You can use the code SISTER for 15% off. Hi, Hi, Beefy! Hi, BeepiNator. How's it going? It's going. It's Christmas time. It is Christmas time. Um, I need to know your knee-jerk reactions to Claire McCallan because I still can't.
2: Off the charts, genius stuff.
0: I know. I want to know where I cue. I know. I, um... I've never been more speechless after an interview. It's yes. like, I, I want to befriend her. I want to elect her to things. Mm-hmm. I want, <laughs> uh, like, whatever the pedestals
2: are, I want yes. to put
0: her atop them.
2: Right. And so <laughs> a lot of times after I listen to the interviews, I sit and start, like, kind of brainstorming about this moment and, like, what we're going to talk about. And I was like, I just want to sit at her feet and listen more. Like, I don't yeah. know how I could talk about it or add to yeah. it or anything. So good luck to us. And right then, now. and then beef,
0: I don't even think she's 30. I mean, is that <laughs> uh, everybody
2: needs to go to YouTube to watch beef space right not now? Know I mean, she looks yeah. 25 to be clear, sure. But of I course. definitely thought she would be older to have some in her brain. Wow. Yeah.
0: So she's just somebody to watch. And I mean, this Mm -hmm. is just going to be fun. I love her so much. Okay. Well, so we were supposed to talk. Well, we weren't supposed to talk about anything. We can do whatever the Holy Spirit would like. But um, our our interview was supposed to be arranged around Advent because she has Mm -hmm. written a beautiful book called Mangers. And so here we are. It is, it's Christmas time. We are feeling festive and there's, time off from work and Hmm. there's gifts to give and to receive and we can eat and drink whatever we want and we get to see friends and we get to see family and everything is so shiny and bright and merry right Mm. (laughs) what's not to like (laughs) what's not to like um okay so what is it because we're both like uh Mm. what i know what is it that goes awry with christmas
2: time I mean, I think there's just all this pressure to have all the fun and all the joy and make all the merriment and we just expect perfection. Um, And I think it's, you know, nostalgic to us. That becomes our expectation because Mm. it used to be chill, right? Or at least that's how Mm. I remember it as a kid when somebody else was doing all the things. Um, And so I think we, you know, expect this fun, pleasant and relaxing Christmas. And um, it's just always unsettling when we end up with a messy, chaotic, stressful one, like we do every single year.
0: Yeah. That's interesting because you're right. Like as a kid, we did a lot of receiving Mm -hmm. and now that we're grown and we expect to have the same emotional reactions when we're working our heinies off. So by the way, I mean, I think when I was a kid, I cut out some red and green construction paper and made the paper (laughs) chain and like called it good. You know? Yes. Strung a little popcorn, if you will. If, I mean, I mean, now that is like some serious extra if you right. wanted to get super fancy. But yes. I mean, now we've got organic free range gingerbread houses and like <laughs> these yes. advent calendars that I mean, I just it's so much work. Gosh. It, is so much.
2: it is so much. We all eat and drink too much. Um, I feel like I've had several parties this week and there's cocktails at all of them and I don't want to be rude and so then I don't feel great and I'm tired yes. and it's just like oh my oh, I can't be tired because I have to ha- create all the joy and all the
0: merriment and do other things. Totally, it's like we're pumping depressants in our bodies and wondering why we're sad. <laughs> um, okay, well, yes. Gosh. I you know, I, as I was I was thinking about what you and I were going to talk about knowing that we, you know, might be some negative Nellies right now because we're both a little overwhelmed. We'll get mm-hmm. there. We'll get there feeling a little yes feeling a little grinchy at the moment but we will catch up days and
2: days before the birth
0: (laughs) yes but as I was kind of thinking about this and I was chuckling to myself I'm like I'm sorry I think that all of like when you think of Jesus's birth and that there were more animal attendants than there were humans right (laughs) okay okay I mean, wasn't that the whole point is that he was born without all of the mm-hmm. pomp and circumstance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do. I think it's a great thing to celebrate and it does fall in line with some people's natural giftings. And so like, yes, do that. But yes. primarily I think that we should be celebrating in the ways that do make us feel celebratory. What are some things that work for your family?
2: Well, I mean, it's a- Tonight, actually, we're all super excited because we always get matching Christmas jammies, right? Because Target makes that easy. Um, And we all put on the Christmas jammies and we simply get in our car and drive around and look at lights with hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate in the car is crazy. Um, (laughs) And it's just, I'm I'm so looking forward to it. So I'm glad you asked me that tonight because it's fresh in my brain. Yay, good, Um, I love that. The other like simple thing that is maybe weird to talk about, but I I have a, you're just talking about the manger. I have a nativity scene that I distinctly remember playing with at my grandmother's with my mom when I was a kid and I have it now.
0: Oh, and so I it is
2: in the middle of our kitchen and our daughter plays with it. Who's kind of arguably maybe a little too old to do that, but she just having that out and seeing that, and we have it front and center in the living room and she's always um, looking at it. Like that is one of my very favorite things of, the whole holiday. I greedy? love it.
0: And that's also like manageable and normal. Yes. So, yes, what about you? How about a shame free advent? How about that? Yes. I, you know, I, it's funny because a lot of people laugh about the elves. I happen mm-hmm.
2: to love our elves. I embraced oh, them. I know, I know. You I embraced gifted <laughs> at the elves, is what it is. We're all taking notes at what your elf is doing. It's so, so good.
0: It's not fancy. It's just, I, uh, now listen, I do not want to spark a Santa debate, but I had this realization when our kids were little that it was like, it felt a little opposite of the gospel where it's like, I'm watching you. And if you're good, this, and if you're bad, this. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know about that. And so I just decided for our elves to be these little wisdom messenger messengers. Mm -hmm. And so they do things that... You know they'll send a little message of of hope or or guidance, and it usually involves scripture. And so they're not there watching, monitoring, Mm -hmm. managing their sin, (laughs) but (laughs) but they're instead giving little kind instructions. So we just love it. The kids still look forward to it. They are not arguably too old, like definitely too old, but they still just look forward to what they have to say, and it works. So do I. So do I. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. All right. Love you, Beef. Happy Advent. Love you. that even mean be a heart design is committed to creating and experiencing beauty they create products that walk us through the joys and sorrows of life swaddle blankets wooden puzzles laptop sleeves lunch boxes digital planners and my very favorite paper planner that doesn't just keep my life organized but also keeps me rooted in prayer everything created is designed to reflect god's goodness Head on over to Be a Heart Design on Instagram and check out the many gifts for special occasions, the thoughtful little somethings to let someone know you're thinking of them, or head over and pick out something nice for yourself. Use code SSS15 for 15% off. Thank you, friends, for tuning in. Catch us next week. Please subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. And consider heading over to patreon.com slash Allison Sullivan to help support the show. You help us grow. And for a little fun, you can head over to Sullivan Family TikTok. Today's show was a production of Allison Sullivan in conjunction with the Forte Catholic Podcast Network. For more great Catholic podcasts, head on over to fortecatholic.com slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.